Our present is always going to be uncertain, but our future is guaranteed. And so God has not abandoned us. Actually, the opposite is true. God died. He was forsaken so that we would never be abandoned. Hello, and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. A lot of people are asking why, as we face COVID-19 and all the difficulties that come with the pandemic, why is a natural response to suffering? How we answer this question has profound implications for what we believe about God, how well we suffer, and whether we will be able to find hope in the face of difficulty. Today's free download, Why Understanding Suffering in Light of the Gospel, is a visual guide that provides biblical insight on why suffering exists, three types of suffering and the hope God provides in each one, scriptural examples of God's redemptive work in suffering, promises we can cling to in times of difficulty. Discover the unshakable hope, peace, and comfort that God gives his children in the midst of life's trials. Visit ltw.org slash candid for your free download today. There are many unknowns right now. Among them is the long-term effects of COVID crisis on both the economy and even our personal finances. We don't know what will happen, but we do know God is in control. As I thought about this topic, I knew I had to have my friend David Nicholas on Candid to help us understand what we're facing, how we should frame it in light of Scripture, and to receive some practical counsel in the areas where we most commonly struggle financially. David Nicholas is president and founder of Nicholas Wealth Management, a financial planning and investment advisory company. He is a weekly market commentator on major media networks, including Fox Business, CNBC, CNN, and CBS. He was recently named as one of Atlanta's most powerful leaders by Atlanta Magazine. David serves on the vestry at his church, and in his free time enjoys traveling and spending time with his wife, Kristen, and their two daughters. Jonathan, so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. David, I wonder if uh, you just take a minute and and really introduce yourself uh, to our audience. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started in financial planning, why, and uh, just sort of walk us through a little bit of that so we get to know you. Sure. So I've been a financial advisor in Atlanta for you know, about 15 years, but it's interesting because it, I, from growing up from a small age, I, I wanted to be a financial advisor, which is kind of a strange thing when you're a little kid and you want to be a financial advisor. But I think some of it, you know, stems from my mom, you know, single mom. Um, she raised me and my two sisters and financially, just naturally when it's a single parent household, I mean, you, we had an amazing life and God blessed us abundantly, but obviously financially, in a sense, it can be a struggle. And so, I think growing up, I always said, well, if I want to be able to provide a life for my family, if there's things that I want to do in life, well, maybe if I know how to manage finances, that can help me do that, right? And I think that's what pushed me to do it. But I'll tell you, it's, you know, being a business owner, which is, you know, I I own my business. I think that has been more of the walk 
of faith with God. And it's also been a reminder of how, you know, God provides. And I, and I think it's, you know, if, if anyone that started a business before, I think you could agree or, or started a new venture or went out and, and created something new, you know, I got to a point where everything that I tried and I did, it just seemed to just not work. I mean, it was like, I, I spent money on marketing, on all these different, everything you could think of to try to make a business work and it just continually would fail. And, and so when I look at just my business, it's the times where I could no longer do it by my own power and that God would just open doors. And this is why, I, you know, I'm so grateful that that's the way the business grew because then I can't take credit and say, well, it was because of my smart marketing idea or it was because we did. It was like, no, I mean, pretty much I needed to get out of the way and it was the doors that God opened. Um, that's how we became successful. And, and hopefully that's encouraging just for you know, for anyone out there that it's, you know, we have to do our part, but ultimately God will open the doors that he has called us uh, to walk through. So that's that the first part. Of it. The second part of it was also being able to help individuals just in giving. And I'll, I'll tell you, the ability to create wealth is an amazing thing. But for many of us, we may strive to do that. And we may strive to say, you know, I just want to get a big house or I just want to, you know, be able to save a million dollars. And, and those are fine goals, but, but I'll tell you, you'll achieve those goals and then you'll quickly realize, wait a second, that's not a big enough goal. So not, I need to set another goal to try to find joy. And I have just seen in my life is the times that I've given and it's the times that I've given when I really didn't have the resources to give, right? It's not after you've built your wealth and, and, and it's easy to give them, but can we give when times are hard? Can we give when we don't have the resources to give? And I'll tell you, that's the times that I've seen God just move and open doors. And, and so my encouragement would be to you, you know, to those listening, don't, don't wait until you feel like you've made it and you've made all this money. Start giving now. And that's what I've told my clients. Look, if you create wealth, if you make a good investment, give. Bless the kingdom because I promise you that is where you will find joy. It's not that you're going to give and you're going to double your money because you got back what you gave. No, you're going to give. You're going to send it on to the kingdom ahead of you. And you're going to have joy while you're here on earth. And that's been my greatest uh, happiness is to be able to see that in my own life, but also uh, to be able to advise clients and others as well. Mm, wonderful. Yeah, David, there's been a lot of fallout from COVID-19. There's mental issues. There's emotional issues that are coming out of this. But one of the major factors that influences all of these is economic and the financial fallout. And so I wonder if you could give us an overview of the state of the financial markets right now and and maybe how people are responding to those. Absolutely, Jonathan. So, you know, we live in a consumer-driven economy, meaning our economy thrives because individuals and families, we, you know, we make purchases, we buy and sell. So that so the biggest blowback to all of this has been, right, with with COVID-19 is we, we've essentially, the economy, and for the most part, even globally, has been shut down. And so obviously with that, the economic repercussions are, well, money is just not flowing through the economy. And it's really, it's like a chain reaction, right? It, it, you know, it starts with the small business on the street, and then that bleeds over into the capital cannot flow through the overall economy. So this is where the markets are responding to the economic impact. But I'll tell you, this one is unique in the sense that 
we have recessions. So if you look back over the last 100 years, the average recession has happened about once every 10 to 12 years. So it's, you know, it's not like a recession is something out of the, out of the ordinary, but what makes this one unique is it's, this one wasn't caused by, you know, economic mismanagement. It, it was kind of like this external threat, right? Which is COVID, which is uh, the coronavirus that was then pushed on the economy. So I think, you know, some of it, I would say that if there's any hope, right, that the idea would be as if we can get some solution or some cure to, to COVID-19, then the hope would be that the economy could restart. Obviously, it's it's a little bit easier said than done. But I guess that's for me where there is some silver lining here is that, you know, the economy was very strong. I mean, it, the U.S. economy is strong. The global economy was strong going into this. So the hope would be as long as this doesn't last, you know, into the third and fourth quarter into next year, I'm hopeful that we can restart. Uh, but there's certainly things that we can be doing as individuals, as families, just to make sure we're prepared for, you know, whatever may come around the corner. Uh, David, what are some of the things that we can be doing to make sure we are prepared for the future? Yeah, so I, th- I think there's a few things that could help. I mean, I would say the first thing is if, if you're someone that maybe, you know, your your job's in jeopardy or you lost your job or just, you know, financially it, it's tight, you know, the mortgage forbearance is something that a lot of mortgage companies are doing right now. So if you have a, a mortgage on your house, you can reach out to the bank or the mortgage company that's servicing your loan. Many mortgage companies are deferring payments for up to a year. So it, it doesn't eliminate the payment, right? But at least for the year, up to a year, you can delay the payment and it'll add it on to either the back end of the loan or they'll uh, reamortize the mortgage and put it into the monthly payment. So I think that's the first thing that can give a little bit of reprieve. Um, even if, if you have a car payment, a similar thing, you can reach out to your you know, your auto loan company, um, many of them are deferring payments for three months to six months. So again, it may give you some help to meet your monthly expenses over that time period. You know, the other thing is just make sure that you have a rainy day fund. You know, for many of us, we're probably spending less now than what we spent in quite a while, just given that, you know, the way that the, the economy is, we're not able to spend in, in to our normal degree. So getting a savings, a rainy day fund is, is important. Um, so I would say start at three months. If you know what, it, what your expenses are, just look to see what you're spending. I would try to get to a three month emergency fund. Six months is ideal. You want to work your way up to a nine month cushion. And again, just not knowing how quickly the, the economies are, is going to open up, what the other side of this looks like, it really is important just to make sure that you do have a cushion that you can fall back on. So on the short end, if you can get the three months, great. Slowly work your way up to six months to nine months. I would really consider taking this time if you have any credit card debt, if you have any student loan debt. You know, One of the things we think about, and I've got this question a lot like, David, hey, the markets are down. Is this a great time to invest? And while we're hoping for a return, if you, if you make an investment, one of the best returns on your money, if you have a credit card that has a 15% uh, interest rate by you paying down that credit card, that's an instant return on your money, right? Of of the, the interest that you're not paying is now a return. So I would say if you have any credit card debt, student loan debt, and you have the savings to pay it down, in my opinion, um, I would seriously consider using this time to pay down any debts that you may have uh, to, again, help cash flow going forward. Um, also, I, I would really look at just check your estate plan. Uh, you may say, well, what do you mean by estate plan? Really, we all should have some type of an estate plan. You know, We should all have a will, no matter where we're at in our stage in life. If we're just starting a family or if we're in retirement or approaching retirement, we just want to, one, have our healthcare directives, you know, 
what happens to us if, if we or even a family member or a loved one, if they go into a hospital, what are their directives? I'd also encourage you to check your life insurance. And it's not something we want to think about or talk about, but I'm actually shocked how many individuals, even younger individuals who are starting out families, who maybe they just had their first child and they actually don't have any life insurance or they have a well less than they need. So I would definitely check that. Some resources you can go, LegalZoom is a, is a site that you can check out for about $100. You can create your entire financial plan. Uh, and there's also other sites that you can look at for life insurance as well. Those are some of the things I think we could do in the short term that would just help give us a cushion just to help us get through whatever may be around the corner over the next six to nine months. And how are you seeing people responding to the fallout that's coming from this? Unfortunately, I think it's the natural reaction has been really based in fear, unfortunately, because I mean, it is fearful, right? When, when you look out and, it, and you can't really understand what's happening and how it's going to affect you know, your family or your jobs. But I mean, the reaction has been, and, and we saw it kind of the first couple of weeks of this, right? Toilet paper was the one thing that was flying off the shelves. And, and I think it was a, a really good example of, you know, as humans, we, we rushed out to try to get everything that we think we may need, even down to toilet paper, in order to make sure that we were going to be okay and that we were provided for. So I think we saw a big wave of that fear early on. I mean, some of that has subsided, but I think sadly, that is, it, it's, it's fear that's really gripped the globe. And whatever part you look at, whether it's here at home, whether it's abroad, you know, it's how humans are reacting to this. And sometimes it's in that fear that can sometimes make economic situation worse. And, and the reason economies grow and thrive is because individuals are confident about the future. And so when, when that is diminished or when, when individuals think, hey, the future may be worse than it is now, that's when you see some of the behavior that we've seen recently. So um, unfortunately, it's a response of fear that I hope we don't see for very long. Sure. What's some of the practical financial wisdom that you're giving to your clients at this moment during this uncertainty when, when fear can really kind of capitalize? There's a few practical things, and some of it is dependent, right? When we are looking at the markets or investing or if we're managing money for a client. So some of it is based on your age, right, where you're at. But I would say where we see sometimes the most fear are for those that are approaching retirement, right? You spent your entire life, you've been saving, you've tried to be diligent, put money away for the future. And then this event happens and it, you may feel like, gosh, it, all of that is now lost and I may not be able to achieve the goals that I wanted to. But, you know, there's, there's some practical things that we can do. And, and, and some of it is just, you always want to make sure, you know, how much risk do you have in your portfolio? It's almost like, you know, you build a house, you spend years building it. Well, it's not wise necessarily to risk all of the time and the energy that was spent in building it. Um, but, but I think the biggest thing is, is, is just to maintain diversification. What we tell our clients is when we're going to approach retirement, we want to make sure the first 10 years of income that we're going to need for those first 10 years, that was, that's really not at a place where we can risk it or we can lose it. So if it's someone that's approaching retirement or you're investing for retirement, the practical wisdom would be just make sure you do have a portion of your investments that's not affected by what's going on in the market. And you want to have that portion in your portfolio just to be able to help provide for your living expenses, especially in times like we're seeing now, because I would love to say that the future is only going to be you know, joyful and there's not going to be economic events, but we're always going to have economic events that are going to be thrown at us. That's why we want to make sure 
that we have put away and saved. And we have a portion of our portfolio that can get us through turbulent times like we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Now, thinking from a biblical worldview, how does being a Christian impact uh, the way you view finances and, and how you guide your clients in general? I think for all of us as Christians, we really are stewards of what God has given us. And part of it is knowing who really owns what we have, right? If, if we own all that we have, well, then it's easy to be fearful. It's easy to be concerned. But when we really look at it as we're stewards of what God has entrusted us, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it is his. So we really have to look at it from that vantage point. And so that's when, we, when we're advising our clients. We, we want to make good decisions. We want to make wise decisions. But we also don't want to be fearful, right, in the sense that we don't go out and invest and, you know, set goals for the future. But we have to do it in light of eternity because we can't take any of it with us, right? If, we, if you make a good investment and you double and you triple your money, that's great. But we have to keep it in light of, well, then now God has blessed us. So how can we bless others? How can we bless the kingdom? We can't take any of this with us, whether we have little or we have much, but we can send it on ahead. And that's really the vantage point as we as Christians should look. As we invest, we need to be able to provide for ourselves and our family. But we also need to be seeing if what can we be uh, doing for others with the blessings that God has given us while we're here on earth. Mm, that's a great perspective. What's the number one question that you're getting from uh, your clients? And what do you think it reveals about the state of our hearts? Yeah. You know, again, I, I hate to be at focusing on fear, but that, that's, it's, unfortunately, there is, there is a lot of fear. So for, you know, at, at our firm, we, you know, we've, we've got all different types of families and individuals that we'll manage. But, but a lot of it is when you see all of this volatility, when you see all this uncertainty, Unfortunately, a lot of the questions are based around fear, right? Like, is the market going to continue to drop or are we not going to be able to meet our goals? And I think naturally as humans, we have this idea that we want to be able to preserve and want to make sure we can hold on to our resources. And, and, and that, that is obviously a good thing. Uh, obviously, we're called to provide for our families and uh, be good stewards. But I, I do think fear is really driving a lot of the decision making. And it's the reason why you see the markets being so volatile and, and, and you see the markets move in, in ways that we haven't seen in a very long time. So unfortunately, it's fear, but we have to remember God is not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And it's just important to understand that nothing that we're seeing is outside of God's control. And so the question for us as believers is really just, you know, what is God calling me to do with my finances in a time just like this? What point do our concerns over our finances really border on that idolatry aspect? Like it says in Matthew, where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. And, and I would just say it's, if you show me where your bank account or your Amex bill is, I can tell you exactly where your heart is. Um, what we do with our money, it doesn't just identify where our hearts are, but it actually it determines where our hearts go. And in the same way, if we look at a compass, right, a compass points north. And so that's where our heart and our treasure and our concern will follow. So I, I just say, if you want your heart somewhere, well, all you need to do is put your money there, right? Um, right. I, I've had someone tell me, David, you know, I just wish God would give me a heart for missions. 
I always said, well, if you put your money in missions, your heart yeah. and your concern will fall there also. And so the biggest thing is, as far as what place does money have in our life? And money is an absolute and important thing. And we need it to live while we're here on this earth. But we have to remember that God owns everything, right? He owns us. He owns our family, our house, our car. Therefore, if we lose a possession or if, if you know we see our portfolios drop in value, it's not necessarily that we lost it because it wasn't ours to own in the first place. And I just think it's important to know, you know, have a perspective on where our heart is. And if our heart and our focus in, is on our wealth, we're, we're only going to be disappointed, unfortunately. Think about, you know, the younger person who perhaps has lost their job. Uh, they haven't been working for as long. They're facing that layoff potential or it's already come. What sort of wisdom would you have? from a financial perspective for a person like that? There's a lot of anxiety right now. And it, and th this is where it's tough because there's been a lot of layoffs, right? The number recently was close to 17 million Americans have filed for unemployment really just in the last month. So it's, it's somewhat unprecedented, but I would say it's easy for us to sometimes feel, especially as believers, well, where's God in this, in the, in the midst of, you know, I'm losing my job. I feel like I've done everything right. You know, we've tithed, we've, we've done the things that we're supposed to do. And it can almost feel like God's not with you or he's not walking beside you. But, you know, we have to remember that God absolutely is there with us. He's walking besides us. Um, and I would say it's no accident that we are living at this time and at this place in history. And I think it's sometimes when we go through trials, like whether it's losing our job or whether it's even if we take a loss on an investment, that God can still display his glory through those trials, right? I always say that we should look at ourselves as sheep. And you know, throughout scripture, God says, you know, as his children, we are like his sheep, that God will preserve his sheep. And the reality is, look, we might lose our jobs. I, I know this is not <laughs> encouraging advice, but as a believer, it it doesn't change who God is and what God has done. And um, hard things are going to come in life and hard things are going to be thrown at us. But our best life, as we know, is not here on this earth. But God will preserve us for himself and for eternity. So I think sometimes we can't try to have a force an explanation of why these bad things happen. But we have to remember that you know who God is, that his timing is perfect. But practical things, I, I think it's important that we always have to be innovating. And I think in a free market like we live in today, as hard it is, as it is, there's still opportunity around. And, and we've seen some of this as, as technology has changed quickly. We have to expect that some of the jobs that we have come to know and where we may have put some of our trust in, like some of that may change going forward. And that's okay. Have there been any positive examples of things that you have seen uh, come out of this across the country or even around the world? that people are taking advantage of this situation in a, in a positive way. Yeah. I think some of it is perspective, right? I think as Americans, we, you know, we spent so much of our time working and, and, and work is good and, and, and we should be grateful to have jobs and be able to provide for our families. But, but I think some of it, and I, I'm even just speaking personally, I mean, you know, some of the perspective that in the last month is like, we, it's kind of like we've been forced to kind of stop. Right. And we, we've been forced to say, wait a second, you know, we've been on this hamster wheel of we go, 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 we go, go, go. And it's almost like we've just been, we've been forced to just put, put it all on hold. 
for me at least, that said, well, what's really important in life is, is slaving away and spending all of our waking time and our hours to try to store up treasures on this earth that may provide some joy in the short term. But w- what is that in light of eternity? And I, and I think it's um, I think it's just important to say, well, what, what are the things in life that are important to us? Obviously, we've got to know what God's will is for our life. But two, God has called us, if, if we're parents, right? He, he's called us to be good parents while we're here on earth. And, and I know for me, it's been maybe what I've been doing is I've been putting other things in front of my family. Maybe I've been putting other things in front of you know what God has called me to do here on this earth. So I think I've used this time a little bit to reflect inward on am I truly doing everything I can for the kingdom or is most of my time in my day spent um, doing the things that are not going to last for eternity? So I can say that as a believer that that's, I think been the biggest reflection point for me is just saying again, you know, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. And it's like, I, we know these things and we hear it and they, they, they make good sound bites. But I think when it's all removed, right, when you can't go to your job, when you can't go out and enjoy and spend money and do the things that you love to do, you say, wait a second, are those the things that was giving me contentment and fulfillment in life? And now if those things are removed, if I'm not feeling contentment and happiness, well, maybe it's because I was placing my joy in those things that ultimately will not provide us true happiness and joy. So I think for the believer, I think that's what the silver lining has been. Um, and hopefully that's been the takeaway that others uh, in the body have been you know, seeing as well. Yeah, I've heard that a number of times as well, is just sort of the greater revelation of the gifts that God has given us, like our children and our spouses and, and um, the community. You know, when something's taken away, it's sort of the, uh, it's making the heart grow fonder, right? Um, that separation that we have, even even gathering together as a as a church body on a Sunday, you you could take it for granted, and then yeah. when it's taken from you, you realize just how much that was filling you up and giving you joy. Uh, but then you know, obviously, the the absence of it has made people, I hope and I think, have that desire even stronger. Um, some other things I've sort of noticed is even just the seeing of the way the healthcare professionals are working mm. uh, through this around the world and the way that people are valuing life in taking care of one another in loving one another has been, um, I hope will have lasting consequences, you know, because it seemed like for a while politically, and I know this will all come back and, and maybe even is still rumbling there, but we were quite a divided country um, and, and really around the world, people were just divided in these camps. And yet here's something that has kind of united all of us in this mm. kind of common struggle. And so, you know, I would hope that that's, that's going to help build some bridges with people, opening conversations with people you, you know, you may not have had an opportunity to, to speak with. I want to run through sort of four basic scenarios and I wonder if you could just kind of give us a brief little, you know, words of wisdom that you would give to this type of person in this situation. Sure. What would you say? So to the person who's seeing the volatility in the stock market right now and is feeling that anxiety and is feeling the worry and the despair, what's some, some words of hope that you would give to that person? 
Yeah. So practical advice, just from the mechanics of the market, there's a lot of volatility, but, but here's the good news. And this just comes from being an American. And I know this is not for every country, but as far as the U.S. is concerned, you know, the federal government, along with the Federal Reserve, they've essentially said that they're going to do whatever it takes to support the U.S. economy. And, you know, we saw that in the stimulus bill that was passed recently. Um, we saw that in the actions that the Federal Reserve is doing. So it's not saying that things can't get worse for the markets, for the economy, but at least for the U.S. investors, this can't be said for most nations in the world, but at least for the U.S. investors, the federal government has essentially said, we are going to support capital markets. So what does that mean for me and you? What it means is we can have some confidence investing in U.S. markets, knowing that the federal government is there to create some type of support and backstop to where, and even the Federal Reserve came out and said, we are not going to allow this economy to go into depression. And they've got a lot of tools at their disposal that, that can help with that. So I think for an investor, that should give us some encouragement uh, just to know that, look, we're going to see volatility, but we as a nation, God has blessed us with an overwhelming amount of resources to be able to navigate through some of this. And we've already seen some of what the federal uh, reserve has done and also some of the stimulus actions by the federal government as well. You've already talked a little bit about this, but for the person who's lost their job um, and, and is really just not seeing a way forward through all of this. Yeah. And then that's, what's tough. Obviously the, the, you know, the unemployment benefits obviously is the first thing that, that you know, the government is there to help provide in times like this. Um, I would tell us as a, as a believer, if, if you've lost your job and, you, and you're discouraged and you're wondering about what the future holds, I, I would just say, trust God's timing. You've got to make sure that you're doing everything you can to seek employment. That, that's first. But two, just we can't be discouraged. You know, I'm reminded of the story of Lazarus. You know, when, when Jesus found out that Lazarus died, it said he waited two days before going to see him. And, and it's like, why in the world? You know, would God wait two days? People are suffering. People are, you know, concerned. They're worrying. And, you know, it, it finally says that when Jesus did this, he, he did it so all the people would believe. We don't really understand the timing. We don't really understand why things happen, especially when bad things happen in our life. But as Christians, we can be confident in the fact that God's timing is perfect. He will not leave us nor forsake us. But it doesn't mean that these trials aren't going to come because they will. And we should expect them just by living here on this earth. But in the trials, we, we our hope comes from knowing that God's timing is perfect and he does have a plan for us. Yeah, it reminds me of sort of the Hebrews 11 passage. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So sometimes, you know, we don't see it, but it doesn't change God's character. It doesn't change who he is. Um, the faith aspect is that he will continue to be who he is and, and what he has said he would do. Though it may not look like it's working out that way, but we have to have trust that he's true to who he is, um, even through those difficult times, especially through those difficult times. Um, okay, our third one, for the person who may feel like God has abandoned them or failed to provide for them. Yeah, and, and again, it kind of goes along with just when we feel like things have not gone our way, right? And um, it's easy to feel that, but I do think Satan, you know, th that's a lie when, when we think and feel that God's abandoned us. And it, again, like, like I said, it, th there's a reason that we were living in this time 
and at this place in history. It's not an accident that we were born in this time. It's not an accident that we're here. I mean, I, I would say that bad stuff is going to happen while we're here on this earth. You know, there's the, the lie that, you know, your best life is now. And I know we've, I've joked about that in the past, but the, the reality is our best life is not here. Our best life is going to be in heaven. So that the Bible doesn't even promise that we're always going to have a job or everything in life is going to work out. But the things that really make me afraid and make me discouraged are the things that God has already conquered, right? He's conquered sin. He's given us eternal life. And I would say this, our present is always going to be uncertain, but our future is guaranteed. And so God has not abandoned us. Actually, the opposite is true. God died. He was forsaken so that we would never be abandoned. Um, so, you know, that's more of a spiritual encouragement, uh, you know, and I'm sure, Johnny, you could be much more eloquent than that. But that's um, what I'm reminded of to myself when, when things happen that don't work out like I thought they would. No, that's good, brother. And then finally, to take the opposite end of the spectrum is really for the person who feels like they are financially secure, that they feel like they don't need to trust God to provide for them. What would you say to that person? If you look at the last really eight to 10 years as a country, we've seen a lot of growth. I mean, even up until recently, our, we had the best economy in almost 50 years. So, so I, I would almost say that most Americans probably have felt this way to a degree, whether they acknowledge it or not. But, you know, I think scripture is pretty clear, right? If we look at Timothy, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides us everything. But what's the command? And this is what I think is key, right? The command is do good, but be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. And again, I'm looking inward as I'm saying this and you know, if, if we just look at what we spend, right, you may say, gosh, you know, one of these days when I really start making a lot of money or when I'm really successful, you know, oh, gosh, I'm really going to start giving and, and give to others and give to the kingdom. But if you look through what you're spending right now, no matter what your income is, okay, if you looked at what you're spending, okay, you're basically saying, well, there's not enough left to give, but you're maintaining living habits that ensure that there's not enough to give. And what I mean by that is just that, you know, if you really look at where you're spending and where your expenses are, whether, and really for all individuals, but even for those that are, have more than what we need, I think if we looked through and we did an ex examination of that, we would realize, well, you know what? My life is really reflected on what I'm spending. And what I'm spending reflects that I'm <laughs> focusing more on myself than I am doing what God has asked us to do, right? be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. So I would just say if if you're a blessed individual and with all this uncertainty going on, you're saying, you know what, we're actually doing quite well. We are actually doing even better than we were doing a year ago. And that's praise God. But then we have to start asking ourselves, okay, then now what is required of me, right? What is required of what God has given me and what can I do to bless others in this time? So I would say that this is the time for you to be active and for you to truly be seeking and blessing others. And I'll tell you, it's not hard. You, you, don't, you don't have to wait and figure out. It's when you see someone in need, you help. When you see a neighbor or um, someone, it's a loved one, a family member, a neighbor, someone through your church that needs help, don't think about it. Just help. And, uh, you know, I think when God has entrusted us to do that, um, this is the time that we can stand up 
and certainly use those resources for his benefit. Well, we know that the um, the government has issued out um, some stimulus checks during this time. And so I guess a question I would have for you, if, if people haven't already spent theirs, is, is how would you advise someone to use that those finances? Yeah, if you're in a situation where that's what it's going to take for you to live and pay your bills, then obviously you have to use it for that. Um, but the thing about that stimulus check is it's going to every American based on income, whether you need it or not. Okay. So if you're someone that's receiving a stimulus check, but you still have your job, you still have a good income. I would say if you carry any debt, it's a good opportunity to start to pay off some debt, whether it's credit card debt, whether it's student loan debt. Number two, I I think you could use a portion of it if you haven't started an investment account to save for the future. I think you you could certainly take a portion of it and do that. Um, But the last way I would tell you, I, I would challenge you, if you're someone that's receiving a stimulus check and you don't need it. Your finances are fine. You, you, your savings are good. I would encourage you to give. I, I would encourage you to, you know, whether give to your church, whether give to to missions. I, I would say that if you're already in a situation that's blessed, then let's you can bless others through that. But obviously, provide for your family and your expenses if you have to. You can try to pay off debt, save. But for me, I would say ultimately give it if you can. Well, David, this has been. Uh helpful for me and and I'm sure so many others. And so we really appreciate you taking the time to come on to Candid Conversations and and have a chat with us. Absolutely, John. It was an honor to be here and happy to talk anytime. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit ltw.org candid to connect with these pages, share your questions with me, and get this week's free download. Why? Suffering in light of the gospel. As always... Thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.